The Mystical City of God. The Conception, Book 2, Chapter 24. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Argreda continues the explanation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Chapter 31 of the Book of Proverbs. 785. No quality of a valiant woman could be wanting in our Queen, for she was the fountain of virtue and of grace. Our text continues in the 16th verse. She hath considered a field and bought it, with the fruits of her hand she hath planted a vineyard. The field of highest perfection, where the abundant and fragrant fruits of virtue are reared, was the one which Most Holy Mary considered. And as she was inspecting and taxing it by the clearness of the divine light, she recognized the treasure which was buried in it. In order to buy this field, she exchanged her property rights in all the earth for it, of which she was truly the queen and mistress, preferring the possession of this field to all other things and advocating in favor of it the use and right of all her possessions. This mistress alone could dispose of all creation, for she alone had the full possession of it, and she alone could buy the whole field of holiness. She alone could examine and estimate its full value and she alone, next to God, appropriated to herself, the field of the divinity and its attributes, while the other saints could appropriate only a part. With the fruits of her hands she hath planted a vineyard. She planted the holy church, not only by giving us her most holy son to form and constitute it, but by being herself his assistant, and after his ascension, remaining the mistress of the church, as will be related in the third part of this history. She planted the vineyard of the paradise, which that fierce beast Lucifer had ruined and devastated, thus restoring it to fruitfulness by her attentiveness. She planted the vineyard of her most great and magnanimous heart, setting in it the sprouts of virtue and the most fertile vines, from which Christ in the winepress of the cross distilled the most sweet wine of his love to inebriate his beloved and nourish his friends. Canticles 5 1. 786. She has girdled her loins with strength, and has strengthened her arm. The greatest strength of those who call themselves strong is in their arm, with which they perform hard and difficult works, and the most difficult work of earthly men consists in restricting their passions and inclinations, and subjecting them to reason. Therefore the holy text says of this valiant woman, that she both girds her loins and strengthens her arm. Our queen was subject to no passions or disorderly inclinations, which she would have to suppress in her most innocent person. But this did not hinder her from being more courageous in restricting herself more than all other children of Adam, whose interior is thrown into disorder by the consequences of sin. Without having need of such things, her virtues and her love urged her to practice greater mortification than the most wicked inclinations could ever have required. None of those, who were infected by sin and who were bound to satisfy for it, ever exerted such strength in mortifying their disorderly passions as our Princess Mary exerted in governing and mortifying more and more all her faculties and senses. She chastised her most innocent and virginal body by incessant penances watchings fasts and prostrations in the form of the cross, as we shall say later on. She denied to her senses all rest and indulgence, not because they were in disorder, 
but so as continually to perform what was most holy and acceptable before God, being never weak, never remiss or negligent in bringing all her works to the full measure and efficacy of grace. 787. She has tasted and seen that her traffic is good. Her lamp shall not be put out in the night. The Lord is so kind and faithful with creatures, that when He commands us to gird ourselves with mortification and penance, since the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and must be gained by force, Matthew 12 12. On account of this violence to our inclinations, He rewards our efforts with a joy and consolation that fill our heart with delight. By this joy we know how good is this exchange of the highest good for those works of mortification by which we restrain our hankering after temporal pleasure. As a prepayment we receive the joys of the Christian truth and in it a pledge of eternal life. And the more we engage in this kind of commerce, the more we will gain and the greater will be our esteem for this commerce. 788. If we, who are subject to sin experience this truth, how much more intimately did Most Holy Mary understand and appreciate it? And if in us, in whom the night of sin is so dense and persistent, the divine light of grace can be preserved by means of penance and mortification of our passions, how must this light have burned in the heart of that most pure creature? She was not oppressed by the infection of our gross and corrupted nature, she had not been scorched by the tinder of disobedience. She was not stung by the reproaches of a bad conscience, nor by the fear of actual sin. Besides all this she was enlightened beyond all conception of angels or men. She understood well and enjoyed this kind of commerce without extinguishing, in the troubles and dangers of this life, the light-giving lamp of the Lamb, Revelations 31 19. 789. She has put out her hand to strong things, and her ringers have taken hold of the spindle. The valiant woman, who with the exertion and the labor of her hands increases her virtues and the goods of her family, who girds herself with fortitude against her passions, who recognizes the delights of the commerce of virtue, could well extend and reach out her hand toward great things. Most Holy Mary, did this unhindered by her state and its obligations, for elevating herself above herself and above all earthly things, she enlarged her aspirations and extended her operations to what was greatest and mightiest in the spheres of divine love and knowledge, rising above all human and angelic natures. And as with her espousal she approached nearer and nearer to the dignity and state of mother, she continued to expand her heart and extend her hand to new works of holiness, until she fitted herself to cooperate in the most arduous and sublime work of the divine omnipotence, namely the incarnation of the Word. Of all this I will say more in the second part, when explaining the preparation of our Queen for this great mystery. And because the mere resolve or determination to do great things and without their fulfillment is futile and of no practical consequence, therefore it is said, and her fingers have taken hold of the spindle, which means to say, that our Queen really executed all the great arduous and difficult works, exactly as she had intended and proposed in her most well-ordered mind. In all things she was found true, and far from the exaggeration and mere outward show of a woman, who carries the distaff at her girdle, but does not take hold of the spindle. Therefore it is added, 
790. She has opened her hand to the needy, and stretched out her hand to the poor. The prudent woman and housewife shows great courage in being liberal with the poor, never yielding to weakness of mind, or cowardly diffidence, lest on account of her alms, her family should suffer. For the most powerful means of increasing all possessions is to part liberally with them for the poor of Christ, who even in this life knows how to give a hundredfold in return, Mark 10.30. Most Holy Mary distributed to the poor and to the temple the inheritance of her parents, as I said above, besides this she gave the labor of her hands to assist in the works of mercy, for without contributing her personal exertion and labor, she could not have satisfied her pious and generous love of the poor. It is no wonder, that the avaricious world of today should feel want and poverty in temporal things, since men are become so deficient in kindness and pity for the poor, they use that, which God created for the sustenance of the needy and for the salvation of the rich, only for satisfying their vanities. 791. Our Most Kind Queen and Lady however, did not extend only her own hands to the poor, she also drew forth the almighty hand of the omnipotent God, for as yet he had not extended the helping hand of his divine word towards mortals, who did not merit or rather, who were making themselves unworthy of such a favor, this valiant woman gave him hands, hands extended and open for the benefit of us poor captives afflicted by the misery of sin. Because this neediness and poverty was the lot of all men, Scripture uses the word poor in the singular, for all the human race was like one poor person, capable of providing for itself no more than if all men had been only one single poor person. The hands of our Savior, Christ our Lord, extended for our redemption and open for the distribution of His gifts and merits, were none other than the very hands of Most Holy Mary. For he, as her son, had them from her and without Mary the unfortunate race would never have seen them open for their relief. They were hers also in many other respects. 792. She shall not fear for her house in the cold of snow, for all her domestics are clothed in double garments. Having lost the Son of Justice, the warmth of grace and original justice, our nature was buried under the frozen snow of sin, with all its power for doing good restricted, impeded and congealed. That's where the difficulties arise in the performance of holy works, the slowness of our actions, our inattention and negligence, our instability and numerous other defects in the practice of virtue. These are the result that we find ourselves in, after the commission of sin, deprived of the love of God, without shelter or covering against temptations. Our Heavenly Queen was free from all these impediments and defects in body and soul. For all her domestics, that is her interior and exterior faculties, were sheltered from the frost of sin by double vestments. On the one hand she was protected by original justice, and the infused virtues, together with the virtues acquired by her own exertions from the first moment of her activity. On the other hand she was also protected by the double vestment of the common graces, which she received on her own account, and those which she received in an especial manner on account of her dignity as Mother of God. I will not detain myself in describing her provident care for her own household. 
for in other women the care which they bestow in this matter, may be praiseworthy because it is necessary. In the house of the Queen of Heaven and Earth, Most Holy Mary, it was not necessary to multiply the garments, not for her son, since he possessed but one, not for herself, nor for her spouse Joseph, since their poverty was their greatest adornment and shelter. 793. She has made for herself clothing of tapestry, fine linen, and purple is her covering. This metaphor likewise indicates the spiritual adornments of this woman. It was a garment of various colors and strong, serving completely as a covering and defending her from the inclemencies and rigors of the rainstorms. For this is the purpose, for which strong blankets and raincoats and the like are woven. The long cloak of virtue and gifts of Mary was impenetrable to the powerful streams of temptation and assault, which the great red and sanguinary dragon poured out against her and which St. John saw in the Apocalypse, Revelations 1.15. Greater than the strength of this vestment was the beauty and variety of her virtues, woven into it and not merely apparent. For they had so to say, become a part of her flesh and blood, and of the substance of her nature from the very moment, in which she obtained her existence in grace and original justice. In her were the purple of charity, the white of chastity and purity, the azure of hope, with all the other variety of gifts and graces, which clothed her about entirely and adorned her in all their beauty. Also the white and the red, which the spouse designates as the special tokens of the humanity and the divinity of the sun, adorned her, Canticles 5.10, for as she gave to the word the red of his most holy humanity, he in return gave her the splendor of the divinity, not uniting both these natures in her virginal womb, but leaving in his mother emanations and rays of the divinity more excellent than in all the other creatures put together. 794. Her husband is honorable in the gates, when he sitteth among the senators of the land. Just as in the olden times judgment was held under the city gates, so at the portals of eternal life, judgment is pronounced separately over each one. Whereas on the last day, we are to expect the general judgment of the whole world. In the universal judgment St. Joseph, one of the men of the Most Holy Mary, will take his seat among the nobility of the kingdom of God, for he will sit in judgment with the apostles over the world enjoying this privilege as the spouse of the valiant woman, the queen of all, and as the putative father of the supreme judge. The other man of this lady is her son, as I have already mentioned, and he is acknowledged and recognized as the supreme lord and true judge both in the particular judgment, and in that which is to be held over the angels and all men. This supreme power devolves in part also upon Most Holy Mary, for it was she who gave him the flesh with which he redeemed the world. 795. She made fine linen and sold it, and delivered a girdle to the Canaanite. In this solicitous labor of the valiant woman two excellences of our great queen are pointed out. First she made a linen so pure, so spacious and large, that the eternal word, although he had to constrain and limit his greatness, could descend and clothe himself in it, and she sold it to no one else than the Lord himself, who gave her his own son in return. For there was nothing in all creation, 
which was of sufficient price to buy this linen sheet of the purity and sanctity of Mary, nor could any man merit to be her son except the Son of God himself. She also gave, not sold, most graciously a cincture to the Canaanite, cursed by his father, Genesis 9:25. for all those that participated in the first malediction and were despoiled and subjected to disorderly appetites and inclinations, could now gird themselves anew by the cincture which Most Holy Mary procured for them through her only and firstborn and only Son and through the law of grace. Thereby being able to reform themselves and gird themselves with new strength. No excuse remains for the foreknown and the damned, angels and men, since all of them had the means to restrain themselves against their disorderly passions, equally with the predestined. For they can avail themselves of the graces gratuitously obtained for them by Most Holy Mary and no payment is required for them. 796. Strength and beauty are her clothing, and she shall laugh in the latter day. Another new adornment and vestment of the valiant woman are strength and beauty. Strength makes her invincible in suffering and in operating against the infernal powers. Beauty gives her exterior grace and admirable decorum in all her actions. On account of these two prerogatives our queen was amiable in the eyes of God and of the angels and of the world. She was not only free from all reprehension of sin and defect, but she possessed that double grace and beauty, which pleased and charmed so much the Holy Spirit, when he said, that she was entirely beautiful and pleasing to him, Canticles 4-7. And where there is no fault to be deplored, there also is no cause for mourning on the last day, when none of the mortals shall be without such cause except this Our Lady and her Most Holy Son. All others were tainted with some defect, for which they must grieve, and on that day the damned will weep for not having properly wept over their sins before. On that day this valiant woman shall be full of delight and joy, returning thanks for her own incomparable felicity, as also for the execution of the divine justice against the wicked and rebellious by her most holy Son. 797. She has opened her mouth to wisdom, and the law of clemency is on her tongue. This great excellency of the valiant woman is not to open her mouth except to teach the fear of the Lord, or in pursuance of some work of clemency. This our queen and lady fulfilled in the highest perfection. She opened her mouth as the mistress of wisdom when she said to the holy archangel, Be it done to me according to thy word, Luke 1 and whenever she spoke, it was as the most prudent virgin and as one filled with the knowledge of the Most High, as a teacher to all and as one interceding for the miserable children of Eve. The law of clemency was always on her lips, as a most kind mother of mercy and her intercession and prayer is by itself an inviolable law on which our deliverance depends in all our necessities. We are safe, if only we know how to induce her to open her mouth and move her tongue for our intercession. 798. She has looked well to the path of her house, and has not eaten her bread idle. It is no small honor for the mother of a family to keep a strict watch over all the ways of augmenting most unfailingly its property and happiness. But in this divine prudence none except Mary gave an altogether perfect example to mortals. 
She alone knew how to investigate and search all the ways to justice and to find the straight roads by which with greater security and speed the divinity can be reached. She attained to this knowledge so expeditiously, that she outstripped all mortals and even the cherubim and seraphim themselves. She recognized and detected good and evil, the height and the depth of sanctity, the extent of human weakness, the astuteness of our enemies, the dangers infesting the world and all that is terrestrial. At the same time she put all her knowledge into practice, never eating her bread idle, and receiving neither her soul nor divine grace in vain, Psalm 23-4. And thus she merited what follows. 799. Her children rose up, and called her blessed, her husband, and he praised her. Great and glorious things have been said by the true sons of this woman the Blessed Virgin Mary in the Church Militant, calling her most blessed among women. And do not let those, that have not risen up and praised her, call themselves her children, nor learned, nor wise, nor devout. Yet although all the saints of the Church have spoken, being inspired and moved by her man and spouse, Christ and the Holy Ghost, Nevertheless it seems as if he has as yet only kept silence and has not yet risen to publish the countless and exalted mysteries concerning his Most Holy Mother. I was given to understand, that they are so great as to be reserved for revelation only in the triumphant Church after the Last Judgment, for it would not be opportune to manifest them now to this world, which is unworthy and incapable of understanding such wonders. Their Christ will speak, the man of Mary, in order to manifest his and her glory, and for the joy of the saints, the prerogatives and the excellences of that lady. There we shall know them in full. Here it is sufficient, that we reverently recognize them under the veil of faith, and that we live now in the hope of fully understanding these great blessings in the future life. 800. Many daughters have gathered together riches, you have surpassed them all. All the souls that have come to the attainment of the grace of the Most High, are called His daughters. And all the merits, gifts and graces, which they gained or could gain, are true riches, for earthly possessions have unjustly usurped the name of riches. Great will be the number of the predestined, he that has enumerated the stars by their names knows it, Psalm 144-4. But Mary has gathered more riches than everyone who is called a child of Adam and of herself. She alone attained such a position, not only so as to be called their mother, and they her children, but so as to become the mother of God himself. For in this she far surpasses all the glory that the entire number of the predestined ever possessed or will possess. And because in comparison with these riches and gifts of interior grace, and their corresponding glory, the exterior and apparent outward appearance of women, which is held in so high esteem by them, is but vanity, Solomon adds and says. 801. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, therefore the woman that fears the Lord, shall be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. The world falsely esteems as gracious many things, that are not so, and that have no more of beauty and grace in them than what they derive from the erroneous judgment of the ignorant. 
As for example the outward appearance of virtue in our works, the pleasure excited by sweet and eloquent words, wit and elegance in our speech or behavior, the benevolence of superiors or popularity. All this is deceitful and fallacious, no less than the beauty of a woman, which vanishes in so short a time. She who fears God and teaches others to fear Him, merits truly the praise of men and of the Lord Himself. And because God Himself wishes to praise her, Scripture says, Give her of the fruit of her hands, He proportions His praise also to the excellence of the deeds publicly known to her and intimates, that these deeds themselves proclaim her praise. The praise of men is of small value to one who degrades herself by her own conduct. Accordingly the Most High wishes that the deeds of His Most Holy Mother shall become manifest in the portals of His Holy Church in so far as is possible and opportune, as I said above. While the greater glory and praise is reserved for her in the heavenly Church and will endure through all the ages and ages. Amen. Instruction of the Queen of Heaven 802 In this chapter of Holy Scriptures, you have at your disposal many points of information for your proper guidance, and although you have not touched upon all that it contains, yet I wish that you write in your innermost heart, as well that which you have declared, as also that which you have omitted, and I wish that you put it into practice. For this purpose it is necessary, that you live retired within yourself, forgetful of all the visible and terrestrial things, most attentive to the divine light, which assists you and protects your sensible faculties with double vestments against the influences of lukewarmness and coldness on the way of perfection. And it is necessary, that you resist the incitements of your unruly passions, gird them and restrict them by the powerful means of the fear of God, Withdrawn from the deceitful outward appearances, raise your mind to the contemplation and the understanding of your interior condition and of the paths which the Lord has shown you, for seeking Him in secret and for finding Him without danger of error. Having once tasted the intercourse with heavenly things, do not allow your negligence to extinguish in your mind the divine light that illumines and enlightens you in darkness. Eat not your bread in idleness, but work without relaxing in solicitude, and then you shall eat of the fruit of your diligence. Strengthened by the Lord, you will perform works worthy of His regard and complaisance, and you will run after the odor of His ointments until you arrive at their eternal possessions. Amen.